All right, well, hey, everybody. Uh, it's Scoots here, and I uh, was all we do a review of uh, a Big Farm in the Sky PI, even though, and I think this is the second, maybe this is the second time I've done the review before I've finished the final episode. There could, maybe there's even going to be two episodes left. I only have one, and because I'm out of town, because I'm out of my routine, it's taking me like about a half hour to get, like it's just taking me a little bit longer. And I said to myself, well, we got to keep the progress. I always be recording. So let's do the review episode tonight. Maybe some like, uh, you know, like uh, when the writing's going slow, maybe that'll give us an extra thing to mine. And, and I know like some people like hearing about this creative process, but a lot of people sleep through it and it'll be rambling yeah, boring, and you could always listen to it during the day. It'll, it'll still. I, I'm pretty sure, even if you're interested, I could still put you to sleep. Uh, but if not, you know, go ahead and listen. I'll be here. The frogs are listening, and uh, so we're talking about Big Farm in the Sky. This is our latest uh, serial series. I don't know if I've talked about that. Like I know I think about this stuff a lot. So this is what's interesting about trying to uh, unpack this in a podcast episode. Is like. Uh, my brain is always going, especially when I'm walking and uh, or doing something where I'm not directly engaged, uh, especially when I'm physically moving. My brain is always processing stuff and thinking about stuff for the podcast, thinking about new ideas, thinking about old ideas, answering questions. Uh, and so this is actually like a like a kind of a concept I've been sitting on for a while because it hasn't like it hadn't come together until until this series of uh, how was I going to do this concept. And, and so I'll talk about conceptually where this came, came from. And uh, I guess then we, we can kind of go into, uh, go, go from there, maybe talk about some episodes depending on the time and stuff. So uh, originally, like for a long time, I've wanted to do something noir. And this ended up not being noir, but like... Uh, and who knows if we, we will do something noir. I guess I would have to find a new way to do that now. But uh, so for a while I was like just, just trying to figure out, geez, could I do a, something like a, like a hard-baked detective story? Like, you know, uh, like, I don't know, that famous one with that guy, you know, uh, Giddies or whatever, uh, Chinatown, you know, you know, like something like that, uh, Philip Marlowe. Uh, could I do something like it? And it's just like an idea. I said, huh, could I? And then I'd say, well, I don't have anything right now, so let's think about it. And then there was also a part of me, this was a long time ago, uh, like early on in the podcast, I had an idea for a series or just one episode about a really uh, incompetent detective or police officer, detective, uh, but not a private eye. And at first it was just like an episode and it was kind of about his, like, uh, he was like a bumbler and kind of his, like, night on the job and all the, like, all the misconnections he made and all those things. And, uh, like, that one just seemed too, like, uh, this was maybe like three years ago, like maybe even three and a half years ago. And I think I sat down to try to, like, uh, outline the episode. And I was like, okay, there's no way this is going to work. It's just too, it was too real life and too based on the bumbling. And I was just like, okay, this that idea won't work. And so, like, I just put that idea to bed for years. And then maybe a year or two ago, I was thinking about, uh, like, season two of Get Bestos was very based on the idea of, like, a utopia. And what if there was a real utopia, like, with where human beings were, like, are near utopia? Like, what would they be like with very low conflict? Uh, how could I find conflict in story in a near utopia? And that was kind of fun to play with the idea. And at some point around there, I don't know if it was before that or after that or in there, uh, I had the idea of a uh, of a detective in heaven, like an angel that was a detective uh, in, a, in a kind of uh, Roman Catholic that I was kind of raised uh, 
a version of heaven, like white white cloaks and all that, or whatever they like uh, gowns, I guess they wear. And like George Burns, you know George Burns type heaven, but it's some or something like that. And then, like, so then I had that idea, and it was kind of partially baked, and, and I was like, yeah, and, and half-baked, too. But uh, I was kind of like, okay, like, that would be interesting to try to figure out what the detective would be. And that could be, like, interesting trying to find the conflict in some sort of heaven. And I kind of said, well, this will be, like, that would be, be fun. But then I kind of was like, well, like, a Christian kind of Catholic heaven is kind of limiting, and I figured I would have to, like, I was like, well, maybe, like, what, like I tried, like, I was like, well, this is a little too close to what we did in Get Bessos. And I did get a lot of ideas for, like, a, like a, it wouldn't have been episodic. I had an idea for, like, a serial story. But then I was like, well, that would involve a lot of research, the idea I had. And still, it was a little bit too close to get Beso. So I said, well, I, I don't know. Like, uh, so then again, I said, okay, this idea is not ready. And, uh, but I still kept coming back to it every once in a while. I say, well, I like that idea, this angel detective. So they, I don't know. The idea kept coming back to me. But it, like, then I'd be like, well, okay. So then at some point, uh, I don't know when, uh, I don't know how the rest of the idea came back. It came together. The, the, like that's like uh, what's great about the story swamp for me. And in case you're new, I kind of explain the story swamp in a second after I get to this. Uh... But at some point, like just like like uh, people talk about, I was walking or something, and I'm not sure which came together first, like Encyclopedia Brown or that it was someone who was uh, like instead of an angel, that it would be a person. Uh, that had passed away, but like those ideas kind of came together. Okay, let's make it more kid-like. There, there's uh, a way to kind of keep some of the conflict because uh, those stories are based for kids and they have their own conflicts. Uh, but they, uh, you know, it's more bedtime story material. Like, uh, but then it could be placed in in an afterlife situation, so to have kind of. Uh, I don't know, I just like love, I think it's rich with mythology and uh, imagery and stuff like that and possibility. And they said, okay, so it's kind of like an Encyclopedia Brown and like uh, like a person that's passed away. So then it kind of it was partially there. And then also, uh, I don't know, again, which came first and which came second with this, but I had... Uh, I said, okay, like, what if he had, like, someone on Earth that he was working with, a niece? And also, like, uh, George and Karen from MFM Podcast, like, I, I don't have a chance to thank them. Uh, like, I don't know if any two people have done more for the podcast. Uh, and Georgia is just, like, in, 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 has been this huge supporter in and both George and Karen on their show, uh, with George just talking about her experience with the podcast and talking to Karen about it and Karen kind of like reflecting on it with her. Uh, a lot of people have found their way to the podcast because of that, and I just have such deep gratitude. And this was also something I didn't necessarily want to do, but I said, well, geez, what could I do? Like, is there some way I could work them into the podcast somehow? But in some way that wouldn't keep George awake, because uh, I didn't want to like, uh, like, uh, like in, you know, that wouldn't infringe on them. That would be very indirect. So I said, well, maybe this niece could be someone influenced by George, and then I, I idea for her, or her uh, friend or best friend to be someone influenced by Karen, more in a just a homage way, you know, than than based on them, just as like a. A tiny, like, cookie, hidden cookie thank you that's not really hidden. Uh, but so I also thought it'd be fun that uh, the thing about Encyclopedia Brown or Nancy Drew or these other ones that kids that, that I was finding, and I, I read a few of these ones. I didn't read any Encyclopedia Brown. Maybe I did. But I read, like, a Cam Jansen and Na a more modern Nancy Drew with the Fashion Squad or something. Uh, a couple other ones, 
hor- hor- I think there's one called Horrible Harry that I read. Uh, but so I said, okay, the, the, having these kids involved, this will give another layer. It also like add some like uh, I don't know. I like to try and I, I don't know. I'm always trying to figure out how to narrate these stories and not get. Uh, I, I mean, it's hard for me to keep my bumbling self out of it without a character that's a bumbler like me. But trying to create so it doesn't become tropey, like different narrative voices and I don't know, in different ways of relaying the information because it's just one person. But not always having stories that have voices because voices wake some listeners up. So these are all things I'm weighing when I'm coming up with ideas. So I was like, oh, okay, and and having these layers, you know, gives me ways to layer in the meanders. Okay, so he's going to reflect the case, and I just like having the the smarter characters, uh, you know, in this case, be kids. Like that's the kind of tradition of these Encyclopedia Brown. Uh, which was just something I read as a kid, and I don't remember any of it. I like a joke about, but I like, I mean, it's kind of how my brain works. So I said, "How are you going to do that, Drew? So you're going to have somebody that left uh, their life on Earth. Uh, how are you going to even explain that? And how are you even going to explain it in your recap episode that you're doing right now?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, we could do it, buddy. Remember, we talk about George and Karen's podcast, MFM." We talk about uh, Joseph's, our good buddy Joseph's podcast. Another person has done a ton, ton of stuff for the uh, for spreading the word about the podcast. Alice uh, isn't living in the big farm. And that's the issue where I got the idea from the title from was kind of joking about the big farm. I said, okay, that's a very, uh, people know what it means, but it's very soft and uh, not intimidating and... Uh, I don't know, I just liked the idea, the more I started to play with it, about this character who's found himself in this new place that's unfamiliar, that has a chance, uh, at a, like a second chance, uh, kind of to, to, to kind of lay out his new life, uh, to learn new skills, uh, to be outside of his comfort zone, and then a structure to give him... Uh, obstacles and challenges, uh, like you know, to to, to uh, overcome or situations, whatever, however you want to call it, uh, episodically. Uh, that are uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to talk about too much about the like uh, world building or whatever because it's an episodic thing. It's just he, just like the, uh, just like everything else. It's like okay, these may be related and stuff, but he's just trying to solve these cases. But he's kind of this, it's good for him uh, that uh, this is his new life and he's, I don't know, I think I think you know what I mean. But then he also has these, he also has these two wise women that he goes and sees, even though they happen to be in uh, whatever, middle school or whatever, uh, or late grammar school that he can go talk to, G and DK, to kind of uh, help solve the cases, help point him in the right direction. Also, they're removed from the world, uh, so then it makes it easier for me to kind of explain the world because I'm always trying to figure out uh, how am I going to explain this, and it's going to make sense. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, he's explaining to two people on Earth uh, and two intelligent people, so they're going to have questions just like the audience is going to have questions like uh, – like, they're not quite an audience proxy, but I don't know. In, in some lessons I've learned from watching all these Star Trek episodes, I mean, like uh, like the role Data plays and how we see things through his eyes, I was kind of playing a little bit with that with uh, G and DK or with Simon as he's seeing his new world. It, it's just like uh, just these vague influences from watching so much Next Generation. So, and then the other thing is I'm not a big consumer of mystery. And it became a situation where I was like, geez, like, uh, how much research should I do? I mean, like, I've read uh, some, like, mystery thrillers, you know, like, uh, super popular fiction. And then a couple of years ago, after Craig Mazin was talking about Agatha Christie, 
I read some Agatha Christie for the first time and really, really enjoyed it. But I think that was about two years ago. And, of course, my brain is like Swiss cheese, so I know I read some Encyclopedia Brown. But I said, geez, like, the only thing I can remember is that, you know, you know like, uh, you know, Bugs Meanie, Missing Pennies, Missing Stamps, or whatever. And, and, I mean, I remember really enjoying reading Encyclopedia Brown. So, uh, so uh, I don't know. Like, so then I, I, I was like torn between doing a lot of research. Like, then I was like, how are mysteries structured? Like, how much learning about the structure of mysteries should I be doing? So I was like, kind of doing some of that research. And then I was reading, like, trying to read through one of these kids' books. So I think the first few episodes, uh, I can't remember exactly. But again, I said, okay, we can't do that, Drew. Like, maybe we spent one or two weeks. Uh, actually, I don't think we did because I was, uh, like, uh, I'm not exactly sure. Like, I just know, like, my daughter's softball season started. And at this particular time, um, like, at least at the beginning of my daughter's softball season, Saturday morning would be when her games were, and that would be day one of my writing process. So I was recording Friday nights, the episode. So, uh, like, Saturday morning, I'd start the new writing for each new episode. So what I'd do is drive her to her game, and she would have to be at her game, like, 45 minutes or a half hour early. So then I would sit in my car and write uh, until her game started. And I think for, for the first two or three episodes, I'd read a kid's mystery book, uh, reread it, and then, uh, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I was writing out how it's plotted or just kind of playing around with it. And then after like three or four, then I just moved back to the old way of like looking at like, uh, like a random self-help book or random, like, you know, just like anything to, or trying to come up with a title. That was one thing that was helpful and fun with some episodes this season was like coming up with a title. And that was kind of one of Simon's things about, uh, well, should we take this case? Will it fit in the mystery of, or the curse of, or the blankety-blank mystery, then it's a, t- a case we'll take. If not, we, you know, we can't take that case. And part of that was kind of the fun of, like, a couple different times. The episodes came out of, a, like, a title idea. I'm not sure I'll have to look through because I can't even think off the top of my head. Uh, I think as I'm recording this, tonight uh, is the night the curse of the cursing notebooks came out, which was kind of based on a true story from my childhood when I wrote swear words in someone's notebook. So that was kind of like me processing that. Uh, let me think of the episodes. Uh, let me like run through. Maybe I won't run through the notes and think about what I can remember about breaking the episodes. So the first one... The second episode was The Cow That Lost Its Moo, I think. Uh, maybe the first one was Big Farm P.I., where it was just kind of like he did dealt with the trickster gods. No, no, the cows and the moos was the trickster gods, right? Yeah, I guess I don't know. I was looking up, uh, maybe the first one was just kind of like an introductory episode. I don't know what case he solved in the first one. Uh, but the second episode, The Case of the Missing Moves, that was definitely one that I thought of the title first. And I was like, huh, what would, uh, if the moves are missing, what would the case be? What is it? What is it? I'm looking at the notes for the first one. And I guess it was like, uh, just like why he started doing it and introducing Georgina. That was for George's. And I said, okay, she would, her nickname's a G. And, uh, thinking about, uh, uh, I guess it, it just, uh, he was going to start solving cases. I guess that was, uh, yeah. So it was a pilot episode, like, uh, introducing Simon, introducing G and then, then that, and then the second, it looks like the title, original title was the case of the cow that would not moo. And uh, so that one, I guess, was easier because they said, oh, that's a funny title. Let's let's make a story about that. But it ended up being the case of the missing moves. 
So that was one where I was like, okay, let's figure out uh, what's the story here or how are we going to make this and uh, go from there. And yeah, let's see. So let's see. It started like this one. I am looking at the notes. How's the problem revealed to Simon? Like the milk does not come. It was kind of like, geez, why would the cows not? This was actually a tough one because uh, they said, all right, Drew, what do you like? We can't we use the trickster gods or was that the first? Did we use the trickster gods or maybe I was like, OK, you can only really use the trickster gods once. Uh, and then I said, what am I doing? this? How am I going to do this whole series? then? Uh, I said, wouldn't the trickster gods be this cause of uh, all, all of the uh, problems? Uh but, uh, yeah, so I was like, uh, oh, boy. So, yeah, I, I think the, funny, the funnest things about that episode were, uh, you know, the trickster gods lived down the street from Simon and that their house changed every time. And they lived in a gnome home and then a dome home. And that just was like a funny image to me of this house of uh, people... Yeah, in the big farm in the sky, and they live in the gnome home, and there's an exasperated father outside, an exasperated mother inside, and kid, you know, kind of like the old mother Hubbard who lived in the shoe, with, who had too many children, didn't know what to do. In this guy, case, it was kind of like the trickster guys were having fun either way. And then, uh, like, uh, but then it was like, uh, okay, how do we make this... Uh, structurally and i think this one was like maybe overstructured because i was still trying i think i was probably using some uh like something i looked up the internet like oh this was like like it has like yeah i think i was trying to like uh look at one person's idea structure i don't even know like where i looked i think i just googled structure for mysteries and then took notes so i don't even know like it's probably like one or, but anyway and then applying it to whatever mystery i'd read which I don't see in my notes, uh, and then saying, okay, so this might have had, like, one or two, like, uh, I mean, I think, like, an adult mystery probably has, like, or even the kids' ones did have, like, two or three or four, like, misdirections, and, uh, like, I think those maybe, like, when people are good at writing mysteries, those are, like, more natural, and they can't really be forced, uh, but when you're learning, you're kind of forcing them. So that one, I was kind of forcing a little, or I guess I had more rules. Like once I got in, once I got comfortable, I was like, okay, let's just, uh, so I think this was like uh, one where I was like, okay, we have to have uh, the snoring grouchy person is a suspect. And then the guy who's farming is a suspect. Then why are they suspects? How close can we get? Or, and then what's our third suspect? Then who really did it? Uh, how are we almost going to solve it? And, and I did stay with that idea of like trying to find false solutions and easy victories that would be, you know, that wouldn't work out for Simon. But so this one, like it, it was a little, uh, it wasn't as fun, like for me telling it. Cause I said, uh, like there were fun parts, but I kind of felt like, uh, just in like, uh, wasn't as cohesive as I would have wanted it to be. I guess it was fun though. And what was also fun for me a lot of times, oh, I'll talk about the story swamp next uh, for new people uh, that, are, that are listening. But, like, uh, well, I guess this is part of the story swamp, so you'll understand more when I do talk about the story. But when characters, uh, they have their own voice and they have their own intelligence and I can rely on them. And this is really one where I really did lean on G, Georgia, Georgina for help and she really came through because she was able to kind of go through stuff with Simon and you know I do have a lot of competent characters like uh, usually the like secondary character and that I can rely on but she was very very and then to have DK who was a little bit different uh skill set uh to then have the two of them together that I could count on, that I could bring them stuff, and also that they weren't, uh, they weren't, you know, they were living their own lives, so they weren't about to solve the cases for Simon. Even if they knew the answers, they were trying to help enable him and empower him to solve them on his own, or that a lot of times Simon was coming to them with an incomplete picture, 
So they would be like, well, you got to go out and complete the picture. That's how you solve the case. This is the missing parts of the picture or whatever. So having those characters when you're telling a story, like discovering the characters and then having them uh, kind of take like uh, take control. I don't know if like this like this might sound strange to, uh, but this is just how it works. So this is my process. Like, uh, so if you're new or if you're not, like this is kind of covering the ground, but I might say some new stuff. Uh, so I call it the story swamp. In uh, like uh, like it's different, but it's the same concept. Uh, like Robert Rodriguez, a filmmaker. I heard him once, and this is a total misparaphrase, but I was listening to an interview with him maybe like 10 years ago, and he was kind of talking about his process of, like, like writing or whatever. And that to him, like, uh, he's in a house or he's in an attic, and the story is there in the attic, uh, but it's spread out all over the house in the attic, and he's, his job is just to search the house and find the different pieces of the story. It's all written. It's all ready to go. He just has to find it and put it together. And that's his job. Uh, and that's not an easy job, but it's like uh, like when people say, where the heck does the story come from? And for me, I call it the story swamp. And it might sound like a metaphor, but it really isn't. Is in uh, in some people like I don't believe it's my imagination anymore. Uh, I mean, I don't think I ever did. I mean, we might say, "Oh, well, you just have like," and sure, like part of it is imagination, and it's like not exactly a physical place I go, but I call it the story swamp, and it is a place I kind of do go. Yeah, uh, because I mean, where else am I gonna say? Well, geez, like. Uh, like, you put the data out there. Okay, well, I'm kind of, like, uh, thinking there's going to be these characters influenced by George and, and Karen from MFM Podcast. Uh, but in the vein of Natchy Drew and Encyclopedia Brown. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I'm, like, uh, you know, like 10 feet away from a swamp right now. But so the story swamp is just a place I go. That's where the stories come from. And what I do is I get in there and I wait around and I put my hands in there. And I see, geez, I'm kind of looking for these characters. Uh, they're going to help this guy Simon out. Well, he's not an angel. He's like a, a dude who lives in the big farm in the sky. He's a new resident. And he's got a niece. Uh, and then I look and I got this stuff in my hand. I say, okay, what is this? Uh and that's where the stories are in my, like, well, at least where I go. It's not that different than the house of that. I, I wander around the swamp. I dig stuff out. I look at it. Some of it's got some muck at it. I say, whoa, whoa. And sometimes I get nervous when I'm there. I say, well, I'm not going to ever find my way. And, uh, you know, sometimes the story swamp sees me through and sometimes it doesn't. And what else in, uh, in sometimes even in this series, like, uh, Sometimes the writing's gone like butter and feels like so good. It's like a drug and sometimes it's it's a total grind. And I can think of the, the butter examples. Uh, uh, the one, uh, you, like, uh, the one, no, I can't even think. Like, I just did the bird one. Well, I record, it feels like I recorded it yesterday. I think I recorded two or three weeks ago. And uh, it, the writing was just, I don't know what was going on. I think my routine was just in a good place. And I was writing at the same time. It switched to, to the room I was writing in because I was doing it before work. And I don't know, like, it, like everything was just like it, when I was doing 30 minutes of writing, I was writing for the whole 30 minutes and the time was flying by. And that was just like a strange idea that totally took a right turn because that was originally a story. I said, okay, like, what about, uh, that was another one I think that came from the title, the God, the God with the rumble in its tummy. And I said, okay, well, that'll be an easy one. And, uh, then I went out into the story swamp. I said, okay, here's what I'm looking for. A story that happens inside a God. God, there's got to be an endless amount of stories that take place inside of God's. 
And the story swam said, okay, give me some more. I said, okay, so it's a guy that has rumble in its tummy. And it kind of had one of those, like, uh, like I was just wait, waiting for the punchline, you know, that face. Uh, and then I didn't have the punchline. And the story sounds like, okay, uh, well, here's what I have. I have Jonah. I got, uh, you know, the whale from Pinocchio. Uh, you know, I got the, uh, I got Zeus and Typhon and, and the Titans and all that, uh, other than that, I really have a lot in, in uh, inside of gods in, on the inside of gods, uh, really. Uh, so, uh, and I said, well, yeah, we'll be adventuring. We'll, we'll get adventuring inside the gods. It's going to be, it's going to be forty minutes of uh, cruising through a god's innards. You know, it's so cool. And then I got there, and it wasn't it wasn't happening. And maybe actually, maybe I'm like just uh, not being. I miss remembering. Maybe the first two days of writing were brutal, like, because that's what happened. I said, well, I don't really have a story for you inside of God. And they said, what do you mean? And they said, well, what are you doing there? What, and what do you know about a God's insides uh, other than the ones I listed? Those stories have been told. And they said, well, uh, like, uh, well, it could be a rock. Didn't Zeus give his dad a rock? Okay, well, you got a rock. How does a rock cause a rumble? And he said, oh, boy, you're right. How does a rumble, how would a rock, well, a rock just causes you to, uh, you know, oh, you're right, oh, boy. And you can't really have anybody, it's not a whale, it's a god, some sort of uh, Greek or Roman god. And then I said, oh, well, I'm not sure exactly. A generic god. Okay, that's to Eastern, Western. Are we talking Judeo-Christian? You know, what are we talking here? And they said, what? Oh, boy. Well, I thought it'd be cool. You know, we'd cruise around the inside of a god for uh, the whole episode. Okay, well, how's he going to talk to the DK and G if he's inside the god? Oh, also, what's the mystery again? Well, it's a, it's a god with a rumble in its tummy. Okay, what are the, I don't usually say what are the stakes, but it, like when I'm stuck, it's like, okay, what's at risk or what's at stake? And I say, okay, well, you know, why would anybody watch this mystery south? Well, the, uh, good, good, good. and this is different than criticism. This is like the story swamp doesn't really, it doesn't just answer. So I get to an answer for it. I say, okay. And a lot of times as part of my process is writing questions. And if I don't have an answer to the question, that's when the brain, that's when stuff can start flowing. I think this is the case where that happened. I kept coming up against these walls. And then you go back to another dull secret than wander around a swamp uh, looking for answers is right now list answers. And I don't know what the first one, I guess it was like, what could happen inside the gap? What could cause a rumble in its tummy? Uh, and I'm probably feel, I think like I always try to feel like a bit, like, you know, keep going, just keep coming up with ideas. Uh, and like, like keep listing ideas. And at some point it, it occurred to me that most people have rumble in the film because they're hungry, which, uh, should have been obvious. Uh, and I said, okay, that's even less. Okay. So we have a guy that's hungry. Okay. Oh boy. Well, do we even know the gods eat regular food? And then at some point I said, okay. And that actually ended up the obvious that I had to brainstorm and list stuff. Uh, became, okay, wait a second. You're right. Uh, the guy, you know, the guy, what a guy, what do gods eat? You're right. Story swamp brain. Uh, let me look at that. What do gods eat? So then I started looking that up, and I said, okay, you're right. Uh, oh, yeah, gods eat ambrosia. That, that's one thing the Greeks or the Roman gods eat. Uh, and then I started reading about ambrosia, and then like, it was like, okay, well, there's nectar and ambrosia with these Greek or Roman gods. I'm not sure which one. And then we, like my continuity brain was like, haven't we been joking? Didn't we do, do like an intro about ambrosia? And I said, okay, so we can't do it too heavy about ambrosia. You're right, because we were just joking about ambrosia. And uh, so I said, okay. So then I, at some point I was reading about it, and the only thing that hit me that was useful was that they were delivered by doves. And I said, okay, delivered by doves or something. 
And then at some point, like, uh, the, the idea of the bird feathers hit me. And I said, okay, what about the bird feathers? Like, what if there was, because uh, it was like, okay, why is the guy, it kept coming back. Okay, God's eating, what's keeping the God from eating nectar and ambrosia? And then it was like uh, bird, like then it just kept leading to these different things, like just like a puzzle, just like I was being lost in the story swamp. Or just like Robert Rodriguez was saying, just like you're wandering around looking. Okay, well, now we say no. I'm looking for what, like, why is this guy hungry? Okay, well, feathers. I don't know what I'm, I'm looking for an answer related to feathers. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, and then it was like, okay, bird feather, okay. And then it was like, uh, okay, the bird. And then I next thing, at some point, I'm not looking at my notes, uh, so this is just out of my memory. But at some point, it was like, uh, what if like birds were bathing in ambrosia? That's pretty gross. Uh, and that would be how their feathers got in there. And they say, okay, why? You know, and then it's like, okay, well, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Okay, so there could be a ball of feathers stuck in the guy. And then the, and this was like the one uh, leap of imaginative leap, I guess, I made. Uh, was that the, the gods, uh, or that the feather, there was like a ball of feather, like, you know, somewhere in the gods, uh, like, uh, whatever, swallowing thing. And uh, that the feathers, like, were so, they were like absorbing and consuming the nectar. I don't know if that was ever explained, uh but we know whatever you know miraculous stuffs how it happens with this nectar uh but then that led me like off on this whole other direction so it was like uh oh, okay like uh the, the, and then it was like okay like uh, okay the birds like or you know what did I, what happened next i'm trying to think like it was like the birds, like, are something messing with the nectar. They're bathing in the nectar. Well, the, yeah, the, like, if birds, if any, even if a human had access to ambrosia or nectar, and I said, well, they're not really stealing the nectar. They're just borrowing it and diluting it. And then I, you know, was able to have fun with, like, the nectar production and the ambrosia production, they was able to have fun with, like, well, why would the birds be doing all this? Well, humans, well, because it's heaven or something. So bird-watching heaven would be watching birds partying and ambrosia and nectar, like all these different birds. Uh, so, you know, and the, I don't know, it'd be great for, you know, sure it's great for your skin and your feathers if you're bathing in, uh, you know, the food of Greek and Roman gods. So that was an episode that, like, went really smooth. Uh, then, like, the crown, what was it, the crown that, I don't know, what, like, uh, or the the dog that uh, chased Moon, that was another one that, uh, that one was a little bit tough. Uh, I think, man, I don't know if that was, again, I think that was just another one that I had the title of, and I said, okay, how are we going to come up with a mystery for this one? And I said, okay, well, why? I think, no, that one maybe came from, uh, which came first? At some point, maybe I wanted to do something about a moon god. I don't know. But uh, it was like, okay, the dog doesn't stop, won't just stop chasing the moon. That's interesting. And that's a mystery that's got to get solved. So let's, like, well, yeah, let's do that. So. I'm trying to think what else from that story. The Steve Jobs one, that was another one that I was like, okay, this idea for paintings with, uh, like, framed paintings were, were doing graffiti. Case of the painting, paintings. And, and that was, a, I guess, I, they, uh, yeah, more than one of these, they came with the title. And this was, like, probably the first episodic series uh that happened like this would be an actual title. I say, okay, and I'd work from there. But that can be fun, and I've written that way before, and not so much for the podcast. Maybe sometimes for a, maybe a Tuesday episode or, or something. But uh, uh, but that one, I was like, okay, I like that idea. So there's uh, there's paintings. I mean, that would make sense in some after you know strange afterworld activity. Like there's paintings in their painting stuff. Uh, I don't know. That's just an image I love, just in general. I love. I would love to watch paintings, paint stuff, and paintings paint paint each other. And then I guess at the end, the paintings painted Simon. 
And then that one, I wonder what the leap was to Steve Jobs. Without checking my notes, I wonder what it was. Uh, I guess it was like thinking of a world that wouldn't want paintings to paint stuff. Because, I mean, that just seems so delightful. It's like, okay, I like uh, like where in the big farm in the sky wouldn't you want paintings painting graffiti? And you'd say, well, probably not someplace, someplace clean, someplace that wants uh, high standards, like that's under control, like very smooth, you know, I, I don't know, something led me to that. And I was like, okay. And that one I liked emotionally because I was like, uh, it really could relate to it. And uh, it, I mean, I don't know if I've succeeded in it because, I mean, it's a podcast where people sleep, but uh like in human, I mean, everybody talks about fanboys and stuff, and this was like a different, like, uh, like a different idea on that of like, man, it must be stressful if you were in an afterlife uh, that you would want Steve Jobs to come through, come to. You'd want to keep it pretty nice, you know. I guess he, whether he was coming or not, if you wanted to, like, an Apple-based uh, afterlife. Like, first you'd have to decide which one and, uh, you know, the iPhone one or the white Mac one or some older, like, retro one. But then, two, you would obviously, I mean, I don't think this is like a, like a fanboy thing at all. You'd love for Steve Jobs to come. I mean, who wouldn't want to hang with Steve Jobs in the afterlife? I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I mean, I haven't read uh, Walter Isaacson biography, so... But I don't know, just this imagination anyway. So, like, I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, I could relate to that. They wouldn't want graffiti or paintings doing things because they say, well, you, what are you going to do? Like, this is, this. it's like uh, space gray. That wall's space gray. It's not supposed to have a mural on it. But then you'd say, well, like, yeah, we don't want to chase Steve off, but what if Steve has something to do with it? Uh, so, like, in, in, uh, the whole idea of, uh, I don't know, for me, I guess it's an evolving thing. My whole idea of, like, uh, the imaginary afterlife, I keep uh, returning to it in different ways. And this one that Simon was in, it's not quite, uh, what do you call it, uh, the one, like, total utopia or anything. Clearly, I don't know if I can tell a story in total utopia I don't think you can. I mean, maybe you can't. I mean, like, I keep trying to set the bar there and, like, be like, uh, but then I, I pull it back a little. So I think, like, this one, it's just easier to, to, to like, uh, I don't know, find that calm, kind space. And Simon kind of gets that job when he's solving the cases of, uh, I think that word salve, S-A-L-V-E, like, he somehow as a mystery solver is like really offering this self to be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Uh, yeah, we're up here now. And, uh, yeah, cause you see you're stressed out. Kind of, kind of like, uh, I guess that is like a superhuman. I mean, there are people like that. Uh, and there are times we can all do that for one another, but, uh, you know, Simon's getting to do that as a job. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just thought it was like, uh, I really felt for those people, and like in like uh, it didn't feel like it totally. That story was a little bit. Uh, it took a, a right a left turn instead of a right turn. Where I was like, uh, okay, how am I going to find my way through this one? Uh, but you know, we found our way through it. Um, and then yeah, let's see. Let's talk about the notebooks one because that's like uh, like a, that's the only one based on anything. I think real for this series, uh, they could think of off the top of my head, but it was kind of like, uh, I think that was another one. I don't know. I'd have to look at my notes of like where the original Genesis, the idea came from on the day one of the writing. But then it was like, uh, notebooks that won't, the case of the cursing, the curse of the cursing notebooks. I was like, okay, like we can figure out from there. And then it had led to this, like, uh, I think I was in fourth or uh, fifth grade. I think I told the story on the podcast before, but maybe I haven't. And uh, try doing the most lulling, soothing thing I can. 
but it kind of got played out in that story. Like at some point when I was on the playground, I heard a kid say what I thought was A S S O L D, old. So but but old ass old, and he kept yelling it. So he was like a, I guess he was like a sixth grader. Or maybe a seventh grader. I don't know. He was a year older than me. And he was calling all the other kids that did it. Maybe he got in trouble too. And I don't think I'd, maybe I'd heard the word before, but I knew it was a bad word. I mean, of course, I like uh, he wasn't saying that word. He was saying the correct word. I was hearing the wrong word. And then I just couldn't get the word out of my head. And we went back into class and I wrote it on a notebook that was, uh, I think we had to turn in our notebooks. I don't know. I don't, I honestly, I don't think I was doing it for any other reason other than I was obsessed with the word and I just wanted to write it down a bunch of times. And I guess I didn't want to do it on my notebook. So I think there was like a pile of notebooks like for, for, to be turned in or something. And so I just wrote it on one notebook over and over and over again. And then one student whose notebook it was, like, uh, she didn't get in trouble. Uh, but I, I guess I never thought about it. I mean, I guess I did, like, before this episode, like, in the past. But I said uh, uh, that maybe I thought I did it intentionally. But she actually didn't because, like, uh, she just didn't want to get in trouble. And then the teacher said, well, geez, who wrote this? Uh, now, there's no, there's no way the teacher didn't know it was me. I mean, maybe I tried to fake my handwriting, but really there's 0% chance. Uh, and the teacher said, geez, well, who did this? Uh, will they come forward? And, you know, this was, I was not a courageous child. So I was like, I'm not, what do, what do you, like, I've seen a Christmas story. Like, uh, kids don't come forward, or at least I didn't. And so then I think that was my chance. So then I think I still, like, of course I ended up, uh, I don't know what consequences I got, but I think it was like a simple, uh, Maybe it was just a matter of, like, apologizing and saying, well, geez, like, kind of like the episode. But in in reality, I think I was more like, oh, like, I just wanted to write down this bad word that I had heard. Uh, but now I think about, like, the, the other person might have said, well, Jesus hurt my feelings, you know. Like, I thought you were calling me that. And I said, no, 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 no. I was just obsessed with that word. So just like taking the other person's feelings into account, saying, "Oh, just sorry, I hurt your feelings," uh, and that that kind of was like a different case for Simon. I mean, in some sense, yeah, he was playing my proxy, like, uh, but that uh, Simon would uh, solve a case uh, where he had to make amends, uh, and also I just liked that when I got to play with the idea that. Uh, like, like he had his uh, signals crossed out there. He was like, oh, of course, these people, uh, like, at this uh, village won't stop swearing. It must be a uh, witch's curse. Uh, and then the witches has cursed another town. Also, is maybe, like, that Lost Village one-off episode I did a long time ago. I don't know. I like the idea of, like... Uh, like, uh, I just love that idea, very archetypal or whatever, like, uh, you know, long-standing traditional story of a town paying a price for, uh, you know, not being welcoming. So, I don't know, I liked the idea of the cross signals, and, and uh, that was like idea, that was also a story that started kind of in the middle with him kind of explaining things to the witch and then kind of going back in time and then going forward in time which I think I was working on it literally, but that's like an old danger sign for me, like like from uh, when I was writing these short things with some other people, is uh, this one time we were trying to rewrite stuff and write stuff, and I kept uh, changing, like instead of writing the story in order, or if I was rewriting someone else's stuff, I would change around the timing. So it'd have like a flashback and a flash forward. I mean, maybe that was like TV at the time. Like I was watching a while, a lot of Breaking Bad or something. But it was also like, then it became a warning sign to be like, oh boy, like this is because I'm trying to spice stuff up. Uh, like I'm trying to like use uh, like the flashbacks and flash forwards because something's not working. So I don't know. But that one, I don't think that was the case. I think it was just uh, that I want like uh 
that I wanted to be extra confusing. And maybe, no, maybe, well, he was missing one turn, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, so I don't know. So this has been a fun series uh, to do. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I mean, it seems like, uh, I don't know. I really felt like, like it was wide open. I think it had like, like all the redeeming characters, uh, even Simon. I mean, I guess like in the afterlife, uh, I guess there wasn't really any other recurring characters, which is interesting. It was just uh, DK, G, and uh, Simon. But yeah, it was, that was like like I really enjoyed this one. I really feel lucky to be able to like uh, yeah play around these stories and kind of see how they go. And I really feel like a, like a, like I benefit from doing these. Like the whole podcast benefits. Like the writing I'm doing for these episodes. Uh, greatly benefits the other episodes and uh, my ability to like uh, find what works in meandering and turning and taking my time and indulging and 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 uh, spacing things out and pacing things it really benefits like the morning writing I'm doing and just like the challenges of like saying, geez, I don't know, I don't know about this. Uh, well, I don't know where this is going. And then like, uh, I don't know, but like it really gives me a freedom that's unprecedented. Like who else gets to tell stories that's like, well, yeah, you can like uh, have birds bathing in ambrosia where I don't like uh, bespoke uh, in small batch ambrosia because uh wouldn't work in many other places. I don't know. Really an honor. So I'm glad you listened to this podcast. Uh, thank you for, uh, you know, giving me the chance to put you to sleep. I, I mean, I'm glad that I get to do these bespoke uh, small batch bedtime stories uh, for you. And I'm glad I get these chances uh, in between series to reflect. Uh, like, uh, believe it or not, like, I still have to do episode 13, which I'll probably record tomorrow. But, uh, like, so I don't know exactly what, like, right now I literally have, uh, like, usually we do a new series, then a repeat. And now I'm like, well, should we do the repeat or is it too close to this series? Should we stick with episodic or should, go, should we go back to serial? And then I have two definite series ideas that aren't flushed out, but that I have, uh, and maybe even a third one. I thought I had three new series ideas. Uh, or should we go back to an old one um, and do repeats? And then, oh, yeah, three new series ideas. One is seasonal, though. So that would be for the holiday season. I have a new series idea. So we'll see. I mean, like, you'll know probably next week or the week after, I, I guess. Like, uh, So, yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks so much and uh, good night.